You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. Guys, 73 days until the Colts season opener. I know y'all are pumped. I'm pumped. It'll be it's unbelievable. I know. It is. It, I mean, it's, it's gone. It's, it's, it's crazy how quickly seasons flow into one another. Mm-hmm. And even sooner than that, they'll be out on the uh, on the turf in Westfield. We'll get to that in a second, some news this week. Um, big show on tap. We'll discuss the meat of the show being the top 10 most valuable Colts for 2022, and we'll each run down our top 10. Not the best players. No, the most valuable. You are correct. The most valuable Colts. It is slightly different than best player. And we won't agree. Uh, no, we certainly won't. Uh, obviously, Zaire Franklin being number one, we can just jump to number two. But Yeah, I want to hear you debate that one. Yeah, well, hey, special teams is important, guys. You, you get, come on. And uh, we will uh, also begin our show with the news. And uh, what I alluded to just a few seconds ago, uh, training camp schedule is out. That was released on Wednesday of this week as we tape the pod. It will run uh, July 26th is when they report. First practice is Wednesday, July 27th. And it goes until August 25th, so just about a month long. 16 practices open to the public. Rookies will report a little bit earlier, July 23rd. You can get tickets online, Colts.com. They don't cost anything, but they do it just so they can get a good idea of the number of people planning to be there. Lots of different days, specialty days, like a kid's day, a salute to service day, a a community sort of day, uh, where it's a give back day. Um, there's one night practice, and I believe that's the 30th of July, if I remember correctly. It's that first Saturday it's that of first camp. Saturday, yeah, the, tw- the 30th, whatever it is, the first Saturday of camp. Other than that, they're virtually all at noon, except for the very last practice, I think, is at 10 a.m. a bit earlier. But, uh, but Chap, as you said earlier, the, the offseason is virtually gone now. Like, like We've made it almost all the way through. Camp is the next big thing on our schedules, and, uh, and, and the Colts have released their schedule. It's an opportunity, once again, for the fans to get out and see the team preparing for the coming season. Yeah, you mentioned 16 practices. The one thing that's, that's different is noon, because it I is, believe yes. they were at 8.30 or 9 yes. previously, and, and yes. now, now they want to see what's the hottest part of the day we can, we can practice in. Put these boys to work. But, but also, if you look at the day-to-day schedule, and this is from a media standpoint, they're up there for 31 days, I believe it is, and there's probably a half a dozen days where they have walkthroughs and then we have access to players but no practice. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of th- – this isn't going to be, you know, Camp Frank Cush to where there was two days and, you know, bring your pads both days. So there's still a little bit of adjusting. But I think what's important is this This will be the first time since 19 – when was the pre-COVID camp? Yeah, was 19. 19. That fans all, I mean, fans were there last year, but there wasn't interaction. Right. You know, you, could, you couldn't get down by the, by the, by the railing and, and players come up. And, and, and that's going to be, that's to me always been one of, the, one of the important things of camp is that during the season you have zero access to players. They're, they're on the field, they're helmets, and this is the chance to really get to know these guys, you know, somewhat. And that's pretty valuable. So we'll we'll see that again. But and also they've got the joint practice with Detroit, which is always interesting. We've had a couple of summers where it turned in turned into to uh, UF, UFC mm-hmm. with was it Baltimore and Cleveland? Cleveland, yes. And they, I mean that got to be nasty. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to. But again, like you said, it, it just comes so fast. It's not been that long ago. It seems that these guys laid an egg. 
in Jacksonville, and now they're going to have a chance to sort of atone starting in, in training camp. Joe, that, that aspect of the interaction with fans and getting to build relationships in the community is something that uh, we were at the uh, the announcement just earlier this week, and Kaylin Ursay was there. Uh, talking to the mic. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, I didn't know what you were saying. Yeah, Joe, Joe's like, talking to the mic, Talking Dave. to the mic. I've got it right here. It was just a slightly askew. And uh, so, so we'll put it right on me there. Uh, but anyway, Kalen Ursay was uh, was there saying how uh, talking about the importance of that, the importance of the players getting away from it all themselves, of course, too, and building their relationships with one another. Uh, I- in addition to preparing for the season, you're you're preparing to to spend these uh, these seventeen games, eighteen weeks, all together and and facing adversity. Maybe things going at noon are going to show them a little bit more adversity because they're going to be out there in the yeah, heat. No try try to uh, rile them up a little bit. Try to make it a little bit tougher uh, because a, a good starts to the season or something that has has been lacking over the past decade and uh and so so here we are for a new year coming up well now maybe this had nothing to do with the decision to have practices at noon but that's closer to game times for it when is. players will be playing so they look at everything mm-hmm. they do yeah so the, maybe that had something to do with it i'm excited that the fans will finally be able to interact yeah. with players i mean that's that's a big deal especially to a lot of the younger colts fans who if they could make a memory Getting to meet a Cole or you know getting an autograph from Jonathan Taylor or something like that that could th- those are lifelong memories that really build a strong fan base. So uh, I'm glad that we're kind of past the point where everybody has to be bubble wrapped and stay away from each other. We can kind of get back to more and more normalcy. You can find the full practice schedule online fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Also, all of Mike's work is on there different stories and they will be in abundance coming up over the coming weeks leading up to camps and previews which of course we'll get into here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast and you can subscribe get us delivered to your podcast listening device every week when we drop it and follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone as well. Jonathan Taylor is up for two ESPY awards. Uh, it's the ESPN award ceremony celebrating major sports achievements and moments over the past year. The two that he's nominated for are best NFL player, best breakthrough athlete. For NFL player, he's up against the likes of Cooper Cup who had a historic season for a wide receiver, Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, and T.J. Watt, who I believe was Defensive Player of the Year. If he wasn't, he had 20-plus sacks. Um, And then the best breakthrough athlete, uh, other nominees are Ja Morant of the Grizzlies, uh, Eileen Gu of the Skier from China, who is uh, also American. I'm not getting into that. Trinity Rodman of the Washington Spirit as well, National Women's Soccer League, has had a tremendous year. She's the daughter of uh, Dennis Rodman. If you are not at all familiar with her, uh, you will be the next time the uh, Women's World Cup comes around. I promise you that. But uh, for uh, for those two, I think Taylor, guys, is a, is a little bit up against it for both of these because John Morant has really um, he's stolen a lot of headlines in the NBA. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, being the MVP, is probably the favorite there. T.J. Watt, Defensive Player of the Year, and Cooper Cup with the year he had outvoted Jonathan Taylor in the uh, the Offensive Player of the Year category. So uh, I, I wouldn't expect wins from either of these two. I don't know. Maybe one of you would disagree with me. But at the same time, it, it certainly doesn't discount the special year that Jonathan Taylor had. Joe, we'll start with you. I think he has a better chance for breakthrough athletes. You think so? Um, because... You know, nothing against any of the other athletes, but I think John Morant and Jonathan Taylor are by far going to be the most known athletes. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to fan voting, uh, I think name recognition is going to mean a lot. Uh, the the best NFL player is going to be tough. I think Aaron Rodgers probably takes that one just because he's the quarterback. But I was shocked to see Aaron Donald left off this list. I understand his teammate Cooper Cup had a great year. 
But you can make the case every single year that Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL. So maybe it's just fatigue. People are getting tired of hearing Aaron Donald's name. It's getting old, but mm-hmm. he's just terrific year after year. Yeah, chapter uh, Jonathan Taylor was certainly incredibly valuable to the Colts last year. Uh, of these two awards, do you agree with Joe that maybe breakthrough athlete is the the mo- more likely of the two that he could possibly break, break through to yeah, still phrase and win? Because again, you look at like you mentioned that Cooper Cup outpolled him in the, in the offensive player of the yeah. year, and, and, and understandable. I thought it was crazy how people just sort of dismissed Jonathan Taylor's. The, the candidacy last year with Cooper Cup, well, of course it was Cooper Cup. Well, no, not of course. Jonathan Taylor had a generational season. It's more yards and touchdowns. I'll, I'll make go. that argument every single time. Yep. So, but but again, and again, just a disclaimer: I hate SB awards. <laughs> I, I I hate contrived awards. When we get in December and January, you're always getting like ten awards on Player of the Year and and first team this that and the other. I'm old school where let's just make it all pro and pro, but you know, that th- this is a world we live in. So. Fan, fan oh. voting is open through July 17th. So if you're out there and you want to maybe make Jonathan Taylor, but more likely to win, vote for him. Sure. I'm just, I'm just saying there you go. Yes. July 17th is when it closes. The award show airs on July 20th. More news and notes uh, throughout the league. The Houston Texans have been sued for allegedly enabling Deshaun Watson. So that saga just has a whole nother chapter to it. New York Times investigative report on Watson found that the Texans provided a venue that Watson used for some uh, massages through the hotel, uh, hotels and spas. And the Texans also provided Wa- Watson with uh, some non-disclosure agreement form for uh, the, uh, the masseuses that uh, some of the women signed the form. So um, the, the Texans there, if it is deemed that, that they played a role in enable him, could face some league discipline as well and maybe even uh, some some liability in a civil court. Like we said, they've just been sued. So, uh, Chap, we were optimistic uh, last week that maybe with 20 of the 24 uh, suits being um, settled that this was getting closer to an end. But now that the Texans themselves have been have been sued, this just opens up, like I said, a whole other chapter to this uh, never-ending saga, it seems. Well, yeah, look, look how long it's taken. Well, and it's not resolved yet. No. The, the Sean Watson situation. I realize that, that that's a lot more in, in, in complicated. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they get some form of discipline. Whether I doubt if it's a draft pick, but you know, a, a, a financial dockage, maybe I don't know. Uh, I just don't you just want this over? I mean, do something. But I would say yeah, like you want it over, but you want it resolved well, and, and that's that's a that's a hard thing to truly define right now. Right now, but but it's in the hearings now, which we'll get to with with. With with the disciplinary committee and all this, or with, with before the disciplinary chairman, whatever yeah. she is, but whatever they decide, he's probably going to appeal it. Of course. So let, let's just get to the end game as far as the, the discipline. I'm, I'm jumping ahead of our that's fine our deal here, but it, it just wears on you. I yeah. mean, it, it's it's there's every chance that one of the best players in the league won't play for two years. That's incredible. And, and and I'd say that they're holding a franchise hostage, but so what? The, the franchise put itself in that position, so whatever. Yeah, Watson's hearing before the NFL and NFLPA's jointly appointed disciplinary officer began earlier this week. And uh, Joe, ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting the NFL is pushing for a lengthy suspension. The NFLPA, of course, is defending Watson, as is their job to do. Yeah. Um, so, so that's something that's going to go back and forth a little bit here. And, uh, and like, like Chap said, whatever comes down from the disciplinary board is going to be appealed. 
Um, so this is it, it is something that's still going to take some time, and uh, like like we said, this is just a, another uh, another little wrinkle thrown in there to it. Yeah, I think we're on day three now of the hearings. I think they began on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we're approaching some kind of discipline for Watson, and then if it comes out, more information comes out later, they can always add to the discipline. Like, but at a certain point, we gotta know what we're dealing with here in terms of Deshaun Watson, especially the Cleveland Browns, who not only have the Watson drama going on, but also the whole other aspect of what do they do with Baker Mayfield. Um, so that's a that's a very interesting team to watch this offseason as they have way more uh, dynamics going on than your normal NFL squad. Uh, Washington Commanders wide receiver Terry McLaurin, Indy's own Cathedral product, has signed a three-year extension with the team, a deal is worth up to $71 million in new money through those three years. After some trade rumors, uh, Terry McLaurin is not going anywhere. Scary Terry, guys, has uh, taken the league by storm there. He will be catching balls from Carson Wentz this year. And my goodness, like you, you always look back to that draft, and it was the Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin. And I think the Paris Campbell is probably higher on most draft boards across the NFL. He had a stellar year, you know, at Ohio State, where he caught, like, 90 balls for 1,000 yards. Terry was in the range of, like, 35 or 40 catches for more like 70, uh, 700, excuse me, yards. Uh, but, but man, it, it's, like, you go back and you're like, what if, always, with Paris Campbell, just because he is not produced in the way that other receivers, like Terry McLaurin, taken after him, uh, ha- have I, I? I don't mean to completely hijack this conversation to to Paris Campbell and the Colts situation because I certainly want to honor what this kid has done and a guy who's here from Indy and is a great guy who's been on our show on Sports Overtime. He's been in our building here a couple times uh, when he comes back in the off season and puts in the work here. But uh, but but man, whenever you whenever you think about him here, you always think I always think about uh, the, the opportunity the Colts had to bring him in. Not that I really blame them, just because I think Paris was the better prospect and certainly the more dynamic prospect from his college tape. But at the same time, Joe, uh, what what Terry McLaurin's been able to do in a couple years in the league is 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 fantastic, and the Commanders have awarded him with a very big contract for it. Yeah, it's not like you know, it's been completely health. With Paris Campbell, exactly. I mean, we could be here if it wasn't for the health issues that he's dealt with. We could be sitting here like good for Terry McLaurin, but we're sure glad the Colts picked yeah. Paris Campbell instead. Um, so it's really hard to say, and it's not like Paris Campbell was injured like this in college. Never. You know, this is just kind of a thing where he comes in has been hit with bad luck after bad luck. Hopefully, this is the year they can finally put it together. I saw the Colts posted the picture from, you know, whatever photo sessions they had during minicamp of, like, the receiver crew holding up Paris Campbell, almost as if, like, come on, man, we all believe in you. We know how good you could be. we rooting for you to stay healthy. So, um, you know, Paris is always going to be compared to Terry McLaurin and, in a sense, a little bit DK Metcalf, who also went after him. Yep. Um, just because it's those kind of choices that, you know, that's why I'm so invested in round three or four of the draft where Mike is probably asleep on the couch over there <laughs> because these are the decisions that can really swing a franchise. I saw a note about McLaren that eight different quarterbacks he's caught balls for in three years. That's pretty good. That's, that's, and there's not many, you know, franchise QBs in there either. So it, it's, it, it's really, it's kind of cool to see a guy do this at this level, so quickly and, and consistently, 
And it also, it just shows us that this wide receiver pay cycle is going to continue. Mm-hmm. And you've got guys, I, I saw a couple of notes also about some receivers that are going to be coming up, Justin Jefferson, and can, can you imagine Jamar Chase in a few years? Oh, geez, yeah. I mean, and, and locally. Again, let's Pittman. say that Michael Pittman has 1,300 yards this year. Is he that $20 million guy too? It's, that's not been the case here. Mm-hmm. I mean, not $20 million, right. but they've not paid hand over fist for receivers. So it's uh, it, it's just crazy how the NFL is so cyclical. Remember when running backs were the, were the rage and they paid idiot money for running Back backs? The Clinton Porters to Adrian Peterson. And really, uh, the, one, one of the last Todd couple Gurley. of Yeah, I was going to say Todd Gurley and Devontae Freeman there were kind of the and, last and, of and the long Christian line. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's missed, or let's see, was it 25 games? Yeah. Uh, since since signing, so, uh, but th- this is probably here to stay. These receivers. This isn't like a hiccup because so many of the of the top receivers are young, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are on their rookie contracts. So it's really going to be interesting to see how teams and some teams have already done this with Baltimore getting rid of Hollywood and and who's uh, Tennessee getting rid of AJ Brown yep. because they didn't want to pay. 20 plus million. And the Chiefs got rid of Tyreek Hill, too. I know he was a little bit further along than those guys, but still, in the same vein, uh, there are certain teams that are right. not there yet. They don't right. want to spend that money, the $20 million on a receiver. And some teams are like, well, this is the way the league's going. Or, well, that's, and that's and Baltimore's a team that, I mean, they've been criticized for not giving Lamar Jackson quality receivers. Yep. So then they get approved. They get one. one in. And out the door. Well, and I know part of that was Hollywood wanted to go. He said he, he's been on record this offseason saying, oh, that, that offensive system didn't fit me, blah, blah, blah. I'm following in the pass-first offense yeah, from a guy they, who got 140 targets last If season. they offered him four years, $80 million, he's in Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I know what you're saying, and, and he's right, and he's right. But whenever you hear we, – we had some guys, a couple guys that we talked to with the Colts sign this year. And we get them on conference calls and, well, why did you come to Indy? Well, it's a good system that fits. And, oh, by the way, they offered you a decent contract. So more times than not, money talks. Money money is, is the deciding factor. But, hey, good for, good for receivers. Yeah, you, you get money because you're, you're valuable to the team. Well, it'll be interesting to see kind of the case of it almost feels like receivers, like you mentioned, are in the place where running backs were, where – a few years after those contracts kind of blew up in a few teams' faces, we've found it to be more common where teams will just move on from running backs and keep drafting guys and cycling them through. Is that going to happen with wide receivers? It's a little different because of the position, I think. Uh, it, and the wear I think and tear. Little, especially if there's a good connection between a receiver and a quarterback that you don't want to break up. But we did mention so many of these guys are performing very well on rookie contracts so quickly into the league. Will there maybe be an aspect of we can just draft guys and they can immediately produce? Um, we'll see. And, 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 it, and it'll be – the decision will be obvious because you either resign the guy or you, or you trade him or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really going to be interesting, intriguing to see how teams ha- – the dividing line between we're going to pay them. You know, there's not a chance that the – can you imagine what, what the Bengals payroll is going to look like when Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase come up? Completely different than it does now. Exactly. That's why when you get these guys on rookie contracts, boy, you've got to strike and oh, maximize geez. it because, you know, which the, the Colts really didn't do with Luck's contract. Mm-hmm. 
not to bring up a, a bad name, but so there we but, go. But 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 we will. But we will. Yeah, we brought got up Jacksonville and Andrew Luck so far on this podcast. Chap line. is two for two there. <laughs> Who's going to be next? We'll see what happens. Hey, uh, you pay money to uh, to the guys you think are valuable, and so I'm sure that we'll we'll get into that a little bit in our discussion of the ten most valuable Colts. Who the Colts see is uh, valuable on their on their roster right now. Um, I was I was chatting with Chap before we uh, we came on in, in, in here, Joe, in the room, and we were saying like maybe there's eight that are pretty pretty set. We think. The the order is is certainly debatable in some of these things, and I think some some of these players you can argue up or down here or there depending on our definition of most valuable and what we really value uh, us individually. Uh, the, when we get toward the end of this list, I think there's going to be uh, so, some some variation. We'll see. Maybe we uh, we find we settle on the same things eventually. But um, but but there's a chunk of Colts that that you think that that we both think are probably pretty set on this list. Um, which, which is a good thing that you know who's valuable, I think, on your team, the guys that you need to stay healthy. Um, and then after that, there's kind of a hodgepodge of guys that could work their way up into contention here when the year's uh, all said and done. Yeah, the, the only position I really feel strongly about is who's number one on the list. Uh-huh. Basically, everything else, you could talk me into moving them up or down yeah. or whatever it Bingo. might be. Yep. Um, so I guess we'll start there. Who do you guys have at number one? Matt Ryan is yes. number one. Agreed. Matt Ryan is number if, one. If you're a serious contender in this league, yeah. it has to be quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Ryan. Because if it doesn't work with Ryan, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you've got, you've got a proven backup with Foles, but Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. I understand it. I understand it. Uh, but. But we're still all there on the same page. Yeah, so that, that's why it's one of those where, duh. Yeah. So it, it was like last year you could make the easy uh, argument that, that Carson Wentz was the most important Colt or most valuable Colt because who was behind him? At this point of the year, it was Jacob Eason, and then it quickly became— We believe in Jacob Eason. Yeah, let's not. There, there's three for three, chap. You, you brought up uh, we believe in Jacob Eason, even though I'm the one who uh, mentioned his name first. But, uh, but yeah, it, I, I think it's—even like, though we feel much better— about the Colts' backup situation right now, that Nick Foles can come in and win a game or two, where you did not feel that way last year when Carson Wentz went down. Matt Ryan is still That's, why, that's yeah. why who started the game in Tennessee when the quarterback couldn't move. The quarterback, the quarterback couldn't move. Exactly. He, he, it, was all, it was very obvious and very painful to watch, and I'm sure it was painful for him to go through, too. Uh, Joe, were you going to say something? No. No. Okay. Cool. Like, I, I, I saw you lean back from your from your microphone. I thought that there might be something to come out there. Okay. So that's one we can we can brush past that and move on. But uh, number two, uh, this is where things might get a little bit more interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll go first, and I'll then explain kind of what I'm thinking about for for this list being uh, most valuable Colts. Um, it, my my the way I approached this was if you took this guy off the roster, how would that impact what they want to do? And what they want to do is get to the playoffs and be a team that impacts is is contending in the playoffs. So if you took this person off the roster, how less likely, I think, would they be to be a relevant playoff team, like a team that can win a playoff game and of course get to the playoffs would be would be first before that. So with that in mind, I went with Yannick Ngakwe as my second most valuable Colt. Wow. And I recognize that's going to be high, I think. Uh, maybe, I don't know, uh, Joe, Joe says the wow, so he thinks that's high. It's high. Well, he's we'll, a, he's we'll not on your list, is he, Joe? He is, he's on the list, <laughs> okay. but it's high. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what Chap has to say in a minute, but like, I, I think that you, you need to get after the quarterback. You need to, and it can't just be in the middle with DeForest Buckner. You need an edge rush. 
it changes your defense entirely. It makes it better. It makes it more dangerous in every aspect, on every level. If you have an edge rusher that can not even just get the one or two sacks a game, but can get five pressures a game that can be there consistently, breathing down the quarterback's neck, that can change throws, that can bat balls. And Ngakwe has done this consistently over the years, getting eight-plus sacks in five or six seasons in a row. So the Colts went out and got him and paid him some relatively solid money because they believe he can be a difference maker for this team and in this system specifically. I also come back to that that this is in Gus Bradley's system that Ngakwe has experience in. He knows exactly what's expected of him. So you would hope that he has the ability to thrive in this system here under a coach that he knows and doing something that he has done well in the past. So that is why I have have Ngakwe up there. Chap read off that list of quarterbacks that you have to get through if you want to be relevant. Well, if you want to be relevant, you have to get through those quarterbacks. And Ngakwe is one of the guys and the primary guy that you have on your team right now to disrupt that quarterback. So that's why I have Ngakwe all the way up there at number two. We'll have Chap next, and then Joe can go after him. I was going to preface this by the fact that my list is skewed because the NFL is skewed. It's an offensive league. Costanzo it's, retired, Chap. You can't. I, I know. Costanzo. I understand. <laughs> you know, I, I number two, look, Anthony Costanzo. I was looking at uh, the eight teams that reached the division round last year. Seven were top ten offenses. And I, I so keep in mind as we go through here, my, my offense is offensive skewed. Okay. My number two player is Jonathan Taylor because if he can't do, I'm not saying 1,800 yards, but he's got to be that threat to where you, you can you can run the ball. You can, you can, Frank wants to do the 55-45 pass run split, and he wants to be able to commit to the running game because that's what they want to do, not because that's what they have to do. And Taylor gives him that option. And if he if he is hurt, or and it won't happen, it, it won't happen that he has a, a fallback season on performance, non injury related. But then all of a sudden, you're going to ask Matt Ryan to do too much. So I, I think Jonathan Taylor is that important because he allows you to do offensively at your core what you want to do. I also went with Jonathan Taylor. He. We watched him carry the offense last season. Uh, they won nine games. I'm not sure they win six if Jonathan Taylor's not on the roster. Uh, his ability to, you know, I, I don't want to say do it by himself because he has a very good offensive line in front of him, but his ability to take a five-yard run and turn it into a 25-yard run. The New run, England game. The, the New England game, too. There's two men in the hole right there, and by himself he makes a miss and scores a game-winning touchdown at a moment in the game where New England had all the momentum, Carson Wentz was throwing bonehead interceptions. I've, on only 12 passes, he was throwing interceptions in the fourth quarter. And Jonathan Taylor saved that game for the Colts. I think the difference between Taylor and the average level NFL running back is tremendous. And they're going to lean on him to carry the load for the offense again this year. I'll talk about Jonathan Taylor when I get to him. He wasn't quite that high. So let's go to uh, number me. three, and I'm guessing he's not at number three. three. He's not at number three for me either. No. My number three is Michael Pittman Jr. Because if you take him off this team, then who? Then who? Paris Campbell? We already talked about him. Ashton Doolin? Please. I, th- I like Ashton special a lot. Teamer. I, exactly. I, I like him a lot as a young guy. Michael Strawn? Des Patman? Kiki Kuti? Please. Alec Pierce. 
Alec Pierce. You want to put your rookie out there? Your number one guy? Please. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be vital to this team. And that's why I have him up there at number three. If you want to get where you want to go, again, a contending team, a dangerous team in the playoffs, you do need, as you said earlier, Chap, to be a dangerous offensive team. And those teams in the NFL that do work in the playoffs have a good passing game, not just a running game, but a dynamic downfield passing game. And Michael Pittman Jr. is your guy to do that. So I have Pitt as my number three. Joe, we'll go with you next, and then Chap can wrap things up at number three. For me, number three, this was tough. Uh, I could easily flip him in number four on my list, but I went with DeForest Buckner um, just because what he gives you in the middle of defense is something that very few other teams have, and that's an interior pass rusher that really strikes fear in opposing offenses. There's maybe a handful of those in the league, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, uh, and DeForest Buckner. And then there's a few other guys that you could maybe argue are near that, but I think that's really – uh, the end of that tier right there. What, what Buckner provides, not only from the past, but he's a great run defender as well. Um, he just really makes opposing offenses has to have to game plan for blocking him in the middle, which is something that most of the time they don't have to worry about when facing most other teams. I like that argument a lot, that he is a unique player uh, when you look across the league in, in, in all the NFL. Uh, you, you don't see many guys who are 6'7", 300 pounds in the middle of that defensive line that are uh, as large of a human being as he is, but still a, um, a well-built human being. He's not just a, a big lumbering load. He can get in the backfield quickly. So, so you're right. The uniqueness of Buckner certainly would bring him up uh, these lists, I think. Yeah, sure. and I get there's a new defensive coordinator, but his role in the old defensive scheme was vital yep. to have that three technique um, in the middle. And I'm sure, you know, guys, Gus Bradley's a good defensive coordinator. There's a reason he's been given jobs in the NFL time and time again. I don't think he's all of, all of a sudden going to lessen Buckner's role in the defense. Yeah. All right, Chap. I'm going to agree with you. Hey, whoa! I, 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 I'm going. On, I'm going on the offense. All one, two, offense, three. So Pitt, Pittman's number three for everything that you said. Take him out of the mix, and what do you got? I, I, I just think, and again, that's one we can have another show later on about how I don't agree with their offseason approach. I, I just think they've they, they they've exposed themselves with the possibility of asking a quarterback to not be. I don't want to call him a game manager. But but they're going to ask him to do too much if if things don't pan out, if Paris Campbell can't stay on the field for 13, 14 games, if Alec Pierce can't be the guy. If not Michael Pittman, then who? And this is, and this is compounded, as I've mentioned before, this is compounded by a tight end group that's equally as unproven. So it's Michael Pittman or, or, or who? And it's, to me, it's rare, unless you've just got an elite receiver, having that high on a list of indispensables, but but they've put themselves in this position. I'll, I'll say one more thing about Alec Pierce to kind of further uh, cement our point home. The Colts loved him so much, they traded back in the second round before they took him. So they, they, they thought he was going to be such a dynamic player here in his first first year that they traded back in the second round and then eventually took them. And that's, that's not to say at all that I think that he has a poor future in the league, because I don't. I think that he could be a very good receiver down the road. They're just going to they, they, they're gonna have to ask him to do more yeah. than maybe what he's ready to do. Right. I don't know. And especially if Pittman gets hurt, which uh, is to, to, our, to our argument there. Players get hurt. Yeah. So that brings us down to, to number four. 
Uh, Chap, why don't you go first and then Joe, and then I will round out this uh, discussion on, on number four, most valuable player, most valuable Colt looking forward to 2022. And I won't have to expand much more because you've already talked about it. it it's in Gawkway. Because pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. So he's your top defensive player on this yes, list. Yeah. But because, again, it's, like I said, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't do his job, the, the offense isn't what it wants, what you need it to be. And if Ngakwe doesn't do what you think he can do, your, your defense is messed up. I went back and looked, and he's got 55 and a half sacks in 95 games. The Colts' other edge pass rushers, have 26 and 143 games. Now, that doesn't include Buckner because he, he's the interior guy. So, yes, they're high on pay. Yes, they're high on Dio. But Ngakwe has got to be that guy. And those guys are young, to be fair. So you'd expect sure. the numbers, the, the, the ratio to go up. But still, that, that's a big difference. It, it's about half the amount of sacks in, right. in, in fewer games that, that, in, uh, that those uh, – right. or more games, rather, that – that those guys have. So, all right, Joe, who do you have for your fourth most valuable Colt? Number four, I went with Darius Leonard. And like I said, I could have flipped him or Buckner for three and four, but I got Darius Leonard here just because of the big plays he makes on the field. We talked about, what was it, 14 turnover-worthy plays last year with either forcing a fumble, recovering a fumble, or getting an interception. And what do we always say? The NFL is about those handful of plays every game that make a difference. And Darius Leonard makes that difference time and time again. On a defense that could not get to the quarterback last year, they were a top 10 unit because they were able to take the ball away. And Darius Leonard was a massive part of taking the football away. And in my opinion, is the best linebacker in the NFL, even on a bum ankle. It's hard to argue against anything you said, for sure. And I'm sure that both Chap and I will get to Darius and probably sooner rather than later. My fourth is Jonathan Taylor. So he didn't fall down too far for me. But again, I think there are some reasons why he should not be quite as high as you guys have, even though I, I, I get both of your arguments. Um, one of them is uh, that I've kind of touched on uh, about getting to the playoffs and being a good, dynamic, threatening playoff team. All those teams that the chat mentioned earlier are all passing teams. Um, they got to the playoffs and were dangerous in the playoffs because they could take the top off the defense and they could attack downfield, not because they could uh, establish the run. Um, there wasn't a single case in the playoffs this year of a running back gaining 100 yards on the ground, not one 100-yard rusher in the entire postseason. I'm not saying that you can't succeed in the playoffs that way, but I'm saying in this NFL it's a whole lot easier to succeed when you're going through the air. And so that's why I had Pittman a little bit higher than Jonathan Taylor for value. And if you're looking at wanting to do better than last year, yeah, last year the Colts were on the verge of the playoffs and Jonathan Taylor had an incredible, amazing, otherworldly season. You need something more in order to get to the playoffs offensively. You need the passing game to click. So it is more valuable to have a better passing game and you can have Jonathan Taylor dip back to 1,300 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns. And I think you're a better team that way. So that's why I had him drop by a little bit. But it still doesn't have him drop far because he is still going to be a focal point of this offense. If you lose him, then you have Naeem Hines and Philip Lindsay in there, who I think is a really good backup situation. But 
like Chap said, it's going to add more pressure on Matt Ryan to do things that you don't want him to do, to try to make more downfield plays, which is not what you want this offense to be. You want it to be more short rhythm, which is what it was with Phillip Rivers two years ago. And, and take shots when they're there, but right. not, not really going to games. Right. But we need to have eight down the field play shots. Right. So, so that's so that's why I dropped him a little bit. Does that make sense to you guys at least? Yep. Okay, I'm, I'm yeah. glad I'm glad that I'm not I, too crazy here. No, I get your arguments yeah. for it. I mean, this and I get yours too. The team is not built to win by airing it out every week. No, I mean they, they don't have the weapons for it. If that's how they wanted to win, they should have been spending way more money and using way more draft picks on wide receivers. Yeah. Um, it's built to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor, and he's still in your top five. So. Okay, so yeah, there we go. I have Jonathan Taylor at number four. Let's get to number five. We round out the top five. I have Darius Leonard there at number five for Joe, pretty much all the reasons that you say. Um, he, he's a guy that that is a dynamic player who can take the ball away. And like we said with J.J. Watt for years uh, on this podcast, that you can block him perfectly for 60 plays, but on two plays, he can be a game wrecker. And Darius is that guy. Um, not in the same role, obviously, as Watt, um, but he can wreck the game everywhere. He can wreck it by blitzing. He could wreck it by being in the flat, knocking the ball out. He can be wreck it by being back in coverage and getting an interception. I don't anticipate 14 turnover-worthy plays again this year. That was incredible, and especially on a bum ankle to do that was was, was insane. Um, and I expect there to be a little bit more of a learning curve, quote-unquote, under a new defensive system for him. So he won't be completely – I don't know if comfortable is the word. I'm sure he'll be comfortable by week one, but it just won't be completely ingrained, you know, like it has been over the past couple years. So I think that uh, it, it, it won't be quite as a eye-popping season for Darius, but, but you can't deny how important he is as, as a player. And, and if you have a player at his talent and his caliber – that then I, I, it's just hard for me to drop him outside of the top five. So I've got so I've got him fifth. Um, and these these next three guys, like fifth, sixth, and seventh for me, were uh, were really the the three that I had the the hardest time putting in, in in certain orders. But I began with Darius just because I think more than the other guys, uh, he has the potential to be a single player game changing type of player when you need him to be. So chap, who'd you have at your fifth most valuable player for the Colts this year? And I'm like you. This is where I start waffling. I feel really good about my top four yeah and number five i've got drumroll quentin nelson oh chap loves guards no and, <laughs> and that's why i need a drum roll because i don't love guards but i think the way that this team is built on the offensive line you have so much question at left tackle whether it's prior whether it's ryman we've been saying his name wrong. it's ryman it's ryman, ryman. Yes. ryman thank you to the fan who pointed that correct. out correct I just think they're convincing me that he has that much value on the field, off the field, and I think he can be invaluable to help in that left tackle to do his job. So I, I am philosophically opposed to having a, a guard be that good and pay him what he's going to get paid. But the way this team's built, I've got him at number five. For number five, for me, I, I couldn't drop him any farther than this. It's, I got Michael Pittman Jr. Um, for all the reasons you said, he's going to have such a vital role in the offense. There not very much proven commodities behind him. If you took Michael Pittman Jr. out of this offense, I think you can make a legitimate argument that this is the worst receiving core in the NFL. I think with him, you can make a case this is the worst receiving core it's in the NFL. definitely near the bottom. Yeah, It's near the bottom. Um, so Michael Pittman Jr. will play a huge role for the Colts. I expect 90-plus catches. 
I expect 1,300 yards. Touchdowns can kind of go up and down for wide receivers. They're not as reliable, but I, I six to ten, somewhere in there, he's going to play a massive role. And while you know the guys above him on the list, Taylor, Buckner, Leonard, they're elite of the elite at their positions. Michael Pittman Jr. is not, but the way the Colts will lean on Michael Pittman Jr. puts him at five for me. For the record, I want to clarify what I just said. I do not think the Colts have the worst receiving core in the NFL. I just said I think you can make the case right now, even with Pittman. So but before this blows up in my face, exactly, I, I, I just, just want to throw that out there. I think that the case can be made. If 20, you, 28 for 387. Those are, two, the, those yeah. are two numbers that I can't get out of my head. Those are the catches and yards mm-hmm. for re- wideouts not named Pittman. Yeah, returning. Right. So, if you want to argue this is the least least uh, what what what's the word uh, productive, experienced uh, to, to put fear into a defense, I could argue that. Uh huh. The the least scary. Yeah, the that's, uh, well, that's a nice, nerve wracking. That's that's a nice and easy word there. Right. So so they've got you know they, they've got a lot to prove, yeah. and that's why Michael Pittman. There's got to be the guy. Got to be. Got to be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad both of you guys had him in your top five for sure. <laughs> All right. Now we're getting outside the top five. There'll probably be a little bit more wiggle room here. Um, I, I was honestly surprised Chap had Quentin up up that high. Um, I, I said I, I, I was I waffling, I, and, and my next few can be, can I may be or rearranged. May, I may or may not have him uh, on this list. We'll have to keep going and see. But uh, I'm guessing you uh, don't. We, we go, I'm guessing you don't. We're going down further to number six. Uh, I'll, I'll start off the discussion, and uh, I, I can only go so long without putting a left tackle uh, on my list. So I put Pryor all the way up at number six. Um, I, I, I think, Chap, you're right that Quinton can help out the left tackle. So can a tight end on the other side. But that also limits what your offense can do if you're helping all the time. You need someone out there who can stand on his own, and, and the Colts really want that to be Pryor. Um, but you don't know exactly. No, you don't. That's the thing. Right now, you don't know. So that's why that's why I felt weird putting him up this high because I don't know. So, are, by putting him this high, are you kind of taking the leap that you think he will be this valuable? Because if he stinks, he's not valuable at all. He's not a top. You're 10. right. I'm saying that he needs to be this valuable. Is what you're, I'm getting at. You're putting your faith in that yes. he will be. I don't know if he will be or not. I'm saying he needs to be this valuable. He sure. needs to be up here. If you have a successful season, which I keep coming back to, if you want to be a dangerous team in the playoffs, you need a left tackle that can stand on his own and block the other guys across the league who are like Unique and Gakwe. If you go up against the Chargers, for crying out loud, they're going to have Khalil Mack on one side and Joey Bosa on the other side. So you're going to need both Braden Smith and whoever your left tackle is to, to be up and at him ready for that game. So uh, so that's why I have I a left Colts tackle. The might want to run the ball that game. They might, exactly. <laughs> Seriously, try to uh, get, get those guys off balance for sure. So The, o- the only issue I have with Pryor is, and, and I agree with you, he needs to be the guy. But he's only going to be the he's a front runner going into camp, and there's a chance he'll be beaten out by the rookie. Could be Ryman. It, 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 I, I reserve the right to put Bernard Ryman <laughs> into this exact same spot at the end of training camp. Because to me, camp. one of the one of the reasons that you make a guy a top ten indispensable, if that's the word we want to use, is the gap for people below him, his backup. I, I don't think right now. I don't know if there's that much of a gap between Pryor and Ryman. Because Pryor started five games last year, I think only one at left tackle. Yeah, three at right tackle for Braden, and maybe one at right. I think he's... I can't keep, it, it, but one at left tackle. Mm-hmm. So the Raiders game, 
at left tackle, right? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So he, he needs to be, but I, I don't know that there would be a, as much of a drop-off to the rookie, although I, w- I really don't want to start a rookie left tackle. And, and here's, what, here's what I'm thinking, again, by putting prior here, uh, to kind of to your point. Like, you're, you're not sure how big of a gap that is between the two. You say there needs to be that gap, and I agree. There needs to be a gap between the two. And I look at you look at the draft, and the Colts waited until the third round to take Ryman. They loved him so much as a future left tackle, they waited all the way to the third round to get him. Second pick in the third round. Well, it's still the third round, Joe. No, their second pick. Oh, they yeah, took okay, Jelani yeah, yeah, Woods yeah, yeah, ahead yeah. of him. Yeah, yeah, good point. Very good point. Thanks for correcting me. Appreciate it. No, you're good. So, yeah, they they waited. They, they, they could have taken him earlier in the third round, and they didn't do it. So... They clearly think that he's not ready to be left tackle. Remember last year when uh, Chap, when everyone was thinking that Christian Darisaw is still on the board. You can solve your left tackle issue for the future. And Darisaw looks pretty good for the Vikings. Let's give him that. Uh, the Colts went with Quiddy Pay instead. And Ballard was asked about that. And he, he says that like his, his restriction, restriction is not the right word, his qualifications for a left tackle are, are very specific, are very... Um, Kind of in stone, rigid in a way. Rigid's a good word. Thank you. You're just saving my butt uh, for this answer. Appreciate you. Um, and the good ones, he says, are are, are scooped up early, and, and they are the ones that you know are going to be franchise guys. or really think they're going to be franchise guys because they're incredibly valuable, incredibly valuable. So if you have guys that are that high, they're going to go in the top fifteen of the draft. What does that say about a guy who gets to the third round and later in the third round that you don't even take him with your first pick in the third round? So that that is why all that is why I put Pryor on this list at six. If all of a sudden Ryman beats him out, then all then a you're incredibly happy for Ryman in his future. I think you feel really optimistic if that happens in camp for Ryman's future at left tackle. You think they found a gem and they got incredibly lucky that they did. And b he needs to be on this list, like I said. So that's why I have Pryor up there. You need somebody at left tackle to keep Matt Ryan in that game, like he has been for virtually his entire career. He's stayed healthy and upright. So that's that's why I went Pryor that high. And, he, uh, he stayed healthy, not upright. Yeah, it's a good point. The, the Falcons' pass protection yes. has been pretty shoddy, but, yes. but you're, I agree with your so, point. So that's why I have Pryor up that high. And uh, so, yeah, I, I take it from from your responses that you guys do not have Pryor at, at number six, but I guess that Joe will have somebody else coming. And, well, and, you apparently and, haven't got Quentin Nelson on your list. And, and Chap's coming up next. Well, well, you're the one who's convinced me that guards don't matter. They're just <laughs> guys for years. So I'm really just going by your standards, Chap. And then I all know. of a sudden... I, I, told, I told you I had a real hard time yeah, you throw them talking up there myself five. in. I know. I'm like, what the heck? going on chaps changed his mind about everything the sky is falling you must like syracuse university no, now i haven't gone that far okay well <laughs> there we are all right joe what do you have for, uh, for next, number, number six? six i have quentin nelson um he's thank the you best <laughs> <laughs> he's the best offensive lineman on a very good offensive line um I, I we've talked about it really all off season ideally quentin nelson would be your left tackle that's where you want your best offensive lineman to play but that's not the case He's going to have to uh, uh, really help out the left side of the line with either a really – whoever it is between Pryor or Ryman is going to be a first-year full-time starter at the position. Um, and we saw just the difference that Quentin Nelson made when he joined this Colts team. Their offensive line had been bad for years and years and years. Even with Costanzo at left tackle, it was still a terrible offensive line. 
and he joined the team, and I get also Braden Smith joined it at the same time. But between those two players, they made a tremendous difference in how the offensive line played, the attitude that they played with. The best guard in the NFL, Quentin Nelson, number six on the list. Chap, who's your sixth? Darius Leonard. For all, again, I think when we get to this far down, we've talked about these guys. It, the, the league's about difference making plays. Like like Joe said, you know, you, you can play sixty plays and, and do very little, and then make three plays at the end. I, was it his rookie year where he, where he punches the ball out from the running back with the Raiders? Yeah, uh, was the, rookie year. The running back, his, his name escapes me. It was before Josh J- Jacobs, so right. uh, who knows who it was. And, and, and then the Houston game two that years ago. thought over there. The Marshawn Lynch? I don't think it was. No, no it was definitely not. No, it, it, it It'll Go hit ahead. me before. It'll, yeah. I'll wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and it'll, it'll come to me. But then, you know, then the Houston game two years ago at the goal line where he punches the ball out of uh, to, to preserve wins. So it's those plays. And I know people, I've had people tell me that, you know, he's not a very good tackler and he's He's more interested in punching the ball out and this, that, and the other. And but I, I think he's very calculated with how he does things. He doesn't put the defense at risk if he goes for the punch out instead of a tackle. And 12, 14 takeaways. The team had 33. Take if you eliminate the takeaways, what was this defense last year? It was not good enough. All right. So we've got through six. We're working on to seven. Uh, Chap, why don't you go first, then Joe, and then I'll wrap up the uh, the discussion on number seven. I've got Buckner at seven. Uh, he, he he's still one of the top two or three tackles in the league, you know. And it's no it's no shame to be behind Aaron Donald and whoever else you want to put in there. I think he does so much. I don't care whether he takes and again he's not going to take a lesser role. That's that's not even that. They will find a way to maximize what he does because that's what you do. You th- this is. Tom Morrow used to say, you know, it's players. You know, you have your scheme, but you, you you don't make players necessarily fit your scheme. You've got to do what they do, and he's going to, barring injury, he's still going to have eight to ten sacks and, and tackles for loss. Uh, as important as, in, as Ngakwe is outside, that's Buckner's value inside. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, who do you have at number seven? Number seven, I have Yannick. Um, for a lot of the reasons you guys already stated, Pass rush is so important, especially coming off the edge. Now, offenses are going to have to decide who they double-team. Is it DeForest Buckner? Is it Yannick Ngakwe? And then, oh, by the way, first-round pick Quiddy Pay is also coming from the other side. So I think what Yannick gives this defense is something that we saw last season was sorely lacking, and he'll be able to come in and give them close to 10 sacks off the edge uh, and hopefully take this defense to a whole nother level. I also have Buckner here at number seven. So uh, we're, we're all pretty similar, except both of you guys have Quinton in there, and I have Pryor uh, so far in our in our top seven. It isn't often you can put Quentin Nelson and Matt Pryor in the same sentence. Well, there we go. They're going to be lining up next to each other at least at the beginning of next year. So uh, so we'll see if they stay in that in that same in the same part uh, of of uh, in the same sentence. So right. okay, we get to eight. Now things I think get a little interesting here. I bet we don't agree on the last no, three. No, I, I guarantee we don't right here at, at number eight. This, again, is uh, – I'll, I'll open it up, and, and I'll, I'll qualify it. Franklin. If no, it's Zaire Franklin, no. we're done. No, it's we not. Done. We're leaving. I promise. Like, this is a name that I don't think you guys are expecting. But this goes in the kind of the same mold that as my Matt Pryor. Like, if – like, he is that he needs to be valuable. Hot rod. 
Chap hit it on the head. Hot Rod? I have Hot Rod at number eight on my list because he needs to be valuable. I don't disagree. If you look, I mean, thank for, you. For your, no, 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 no. For no, my no. point. Oh, I, I, I do don't disagree. agree with your list, but I, but I understand how you're arriving at it by, okay. boy, he's got to come through. Look at what Cincinnati did in the playoffs last year with their kicker. Like, you need to have clutch kicks. You need a guy to make kicks. Across the league, here's something that I believe. Truly, I believe this. If you're making a list for every team, every 32 teams across the league is making a top 10 most valuable players. If their kicker is not in the top 10, they're in trouble. Because then you're looking for a kicker. And kicks win games in the NFL. Baltimore. Yes. Baltimore comes to mind right now. You look back a couple years ago in the whole Vinatieri saga, we don't have to get into that. But one game makes a difference between making the playoffs and staying at home. We saw that with the Colts. One kick makes the difference in winning three or four different games for every team throughout the season. You need Hot Rod to be valuable. So I have Rodrigo Blankenship as my number eight most valuable Colts for 2022. And I reserve the right to put in whoever it is instead of Hot Rod. If that's how this cuts. works, Dave. No, that, 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 that's how I'm making <laughs> well, it. You made a list of top 10 Colts who need to be most valuable. So his, his number nine is Paris Campbell. Probably. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that. I don't, how can you put you know most <laughs> indispensable Colts for a guy who the Colts just left on IR and picked up the money back? This wasn't most indispensable. This is most valuable. This is I can't be, believe Joe and I are in the same boat. I we can't are. You're out, you're out there on an island. They replaced your eighth most valuable the, the player. People, and I love Hot Rod, but they replaced him with someone they picked up off the street and kept it. He needs to be valuable. <laughs> he needs to be valuable because if he's not, you're not going to make the playoffs significant. You're certainly not going to be a significant playoff team. He's not your number eight, Joe? No. So no, I've got listen, Hot Rod. Joe, I, why don't you go next? I think I'm number one up here on the Hot Rod <laughs> fan list, uh-huh. but um, he's not on my list. Instead, from the kicker who isn't guaranteed a roster spot this year, I went with the all-pro cornerback Stephon Gilmore, who has the capability, the very valuable capability, of <laughs> shutting down the opposing offense's number one wide receiver. Joe hates my list, and it is <laughs> so obvious. <laughs> And we're not even at 9 and 10 yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what Stephon Gilmore can give this team is something they haven't had since Vontae Davis's glory days. And that's a guy who y- you don't have to worry about who's going to guard the other team's number one wide receiver. You just don't. You just put Stephon Gilmore on them and say, okay, check. Obviously, he's not going to win every single battle against the elite receivers of the NFL, especially not at 31 years old. But... I think he can do it far better than, um, you know, Xavier Rhodes or Rocky Sin or Isaiah Rogers can. I think he's still, when healthy, a top 10 outside cornerback in the NFL. All right, Chap, who do you have for uh, for number eight here? I've got Ryan Kelly. I-, I just think, again, I think what he brings, you know, he- he's three straight Pro Bowls. We-, we-, we can argue the value of Pro Bowls, the yay and nay, but I, I think he does bring that stability. And Danny Pinter played pretty well in his in, in his absence last year. I think it was, the Colts were three and zero. Yeah, but I, I think Kelly gives you the Jeff Sattery like stability and reliability. Gets you into the right the right blocking alignment. So I get Ryan Kelly. I, I like I I wanted to put Ryan Kelly on this list because you're right. The Pro Bowl nods like his his ability. I wanted to put Quentin Nelson on my list because of his pro ball, his all pro nods. But I also think that 
the 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 fact that uh, what's his name Pinter can slide in there. What's and, his name? And do, what's his name? Exactly. That Pinter can <laughs> uh, perfect. I, I disproved myself immediately. I think the fact that Pinter can slide in and, and, and fill in, I think admirably for Kelly, kind but, of put him the, down a little bit. But but I agree with you as well. But, I'm but saying. The, the argument against that is all of a sudden you've taken your offensive line from being really really good right to having Pryor who you hope is good right and Pinter who you hope is good at center mm-hmm. and. Well, Pinter, I'm pretty sure, will be good at center because he was good right, last year. Right, And then maybe but, Ryman sneaks, but sneaks it, it, in there you know, it, I understand your argument. I, yeah. I, I just I, – I don't want to start using my backup guys as because when you put backup guys in the lineup, I think you weaken the lineup. But well, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 understand, I understand your argument. Don't yeah. agree with it all. Of course. But, no, 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 no. I wouldn't expect you to. <laughs> but, uh, but nevertheless, uh, there's Ryan Kelly. We'll get to number nine. I had Stephon Gilmore at number nine for all the reasons that Joe said. Um, if, if I have a number one wide receiver so high on my list, I'm, I need a number one corner somewhere on my list. So I have Gilmore there at number nine. Chap, who'd you have at number nine? Same position, but I went Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore the second for those who, who want the numeral on there because I, I think he does so much. Uh, you know, we, we say he's a nickel corner, which it's kind of like he, he reacts a nickel corner like, like Naheem Hines reacted when I called him a gadget player. Don't he almost, he almost threw the microphone at me. He's trying to make money right now. He doesn't want to be right. pigeonholed into the right. nickel corner. So I, I just think Naheem, or I, I just think that Kenny Moore does so much for you as far as slot. He can play outside. You can blitz him. I, I, I don't want to diminish Stefan Gilmore because he, he needs to be the guy that go get that guy and let us handle the other 10 guys. I like Kenny Moore's versatility. Right. I also have Kenny Moore at nine. I mean, he just makes plays that make a difference. Four interceptions each of the past two seasons. I think he has three or three and a half sacks over the last two seasons. He can blitz them. Uh, Extremely reliable tackler. He has some of the harder hits for the Colts over the past couple of seasons. Um, You know, pretty good in coverage. He's not a lockdown in coverage because covering from the slot is just almost impossible to do when your wide receiver has the entire You got field. this guy and you got him on the move. It, it, you're right. Exactly. So I can't blame him. You know, I'm not going to point out the Raiders game where Renfro kind of made those plays at the end because I'm not sure who could have stopped Hunter Renfro there. But Kenny Moore makes big plays for the Colts and is uh, what a lot of people would argue maybe the best in the entire NFL at his slot corner position. Well, you would expect the best at slot corner in the NFL at his entire position to stop Hunter Renfro. That, that's who would you expect to stop Hunter and Renfro. You can make an argument. Position. Hunter Renfro might be one of the best slot wide receivers. Yeah, the when, when the best is against the best, uh, you, you hope your guy stops him. That, that, that's my argument. So, yeah. All right. So, so Kenny yeah, Moore's exactly. not on your list. <laughs> Kenny Moore's not on my list either. No. We get to number 10. There, there's, there's a bunch of guys here that, that are certainly worthy and very valuable, like... Like Kenny, I'm just like thinking. Quentin. I'm trying to think who he's got at ten. <laughs> like, like, look, a, okay, it's I, gonna be the punter. No, it's not the punter. <laughs> but, but I have Rigo like here down here, Luke with the, like possibility here. Um, but you know, I, I was debating between two. I was debating between Mo Ali Cox and Naheem Hines because I wanted to stick on offense. Um, and and I it, it, that was a hard debate in my mind because I think Naheem is going to be a, very valuable this year. But I went with Mo. Because he blocks too, and that that was what kind of set me apart a little bit. Um, he is right now their best blocking tight end by far. You look at Kylan Granson, not a blocking tight end, and then after that it's rookies. It always takes rookies a while to get up to speed in the NFL, and the Colts want to be a team that establishes the run. If you want to do that well, 
you need tight ends that can block well. So that gave Mo just a slight edge in my mind to be most valuable. Again, again, this is not best Colts. I think both of your lists are fine or well and good, but you gave a little bit too much gusto, too much weight to the quality of players rather than how valuable they are to actually achieving success. You're saying how valuable they need to be. They need to be, or they need to be to achieve success. A quality players not valuable to achieving ex- success? Mike, you're going into week one. Who would you rather have on the injury list, Mo Ali cox or Quentin Nelson? True. <laughs> True. That's a good point. I'd rather Mo Ali cox be on that injury list ten times out of ten. I don't know, man. Like, I really don't know. Um, really? Like, like I, I don't know. Because I think that you could live better without Quentin than you could without your only in good, solid, established inline tight end right now. If Jelani Woods or Drew Ogletree come in and they surprise right now, then, then sure. But going into this season, when I have absolutely no idea if those two guys are going to be any good at all and if they can block a defensive end by themselves, I don't think they can. I think I would rather have Mo Cox playing. I'm just saying, I wish you were a GM of the Jaguars or Uh the Texans or someone in the 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 problem is the Colts have given you evidence, ammunition to make that argument by the way they've handled receiver and tight end. They just have. They have. Again, as I keep saying, one of the reasons I'm I'm concerned about receiver is that you can't say, well, you know, we, we, we can go two tight ends and alleviate the pressure. No, you can't because you don't know. But yeah, I can't. I can't go with. Uh, and I understand that I'm. A, I'm out on a limb here. I, when I put this together, I knew it, and I knew I would get you're it. You're out on three. Limbs. You're out on three, three limbs. limbs. I will say it does make for an interesting conversation. With Mo, so I do appreciate with Rod it. with Pryor. We'll see what happens. Hey, chap, why don't you give me your tenth, and then Joe can wrap us up with these. Well, lists. you talked yourself out of mine. It's Naheem Hines. Yeah. Because, and I, 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 it was so close. With yeah, me. because again, it, I, I keep coming back to the same old story. It's playmakers. It's playmakers. And if he stays healthy, and I think not, has Naheem not missed a game yet? I don't believe he has. Not that I can I recall. He Knock on wood. If he's missed any, it's, it hasn't been met. No, I don't. I don't think much. he's missed any. But I, I just think he. It's playmakers. It, it's and never I, missed a game. Go back go. to what Frank said. If you're a fantasy owner, you know draft Naheem Hines. They're gonna they're gonna wear this kid out. They also said that they like Jacob Eason, so I take what Frank says this time of year. I, 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 agreed, agreed. <laughs> and they really liked it. Eric Fisher, his upside oh, and all this, and he's still un, of course unemployed. He's, yeah. So I just think again that T.Y. Hilton also has a lot of great football left in front of him. We like him; he can still play. Well, yeah. He's very smart. Very smart. Yeah. I know, it's, it's like your the blind dates really has a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Is she pretty? Great smile. Great personality. <laughs> yeah. right. So I, I just think again. It's going to be interesting to see how is this the year they I'm going to say finally maximize him because he had some he had two really good years with uh, uh, the, two of the last three years were really good when they had good quarterback play so uh, seventy catches eighty catches someone in the organization said they think eighty catches well that's that'll be like third most by a running back so so but I I think they're going to get him the ball and I think he needs to be a factor more so certainly than he was last year Joe. I can contort my mind into seeing that argument if he does end up catching 70, 80 balls and he's your de facto number two pass catcher on the offense. I went with Braden Smith. I mean, we talk about this passing game, protecting the quarterback. He's your best offensive tackle on the team. I get he's a right tackle, 
but that's still very valuable. When you're playing, it, when it's Monday Night Football and you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, Braden Smith is going to be blocking T.J. Watt because he rushes off the left side of the defense, the offense's right side. So I don't think the drop-off in value from left tackle to right tackle is always as steep as some say. Von Miller is another guy who traditionally always rushed off that side. Um, and Braden Smith has been in – you can make the argument Braden Smith has been better than Ryan Kelly. Different position, Probably. But, you know, so – uh, I'm kind of surprised Braden Smith didn't make a list on a on a unit, an offensive line unit where we think is going to be very good again this year. There I are, had two guys, two of my ten were. How many of yours were? I had one of my ten was okay. uh, offensive line. Okay. Matt Pryor, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got Braden Smith just because. I mean, Naheem Hines could be very valuable to this team, but I would make the argument that the offense could score just as many points if he didn't play down this year. Because every time you're giving the ball to Hines, it's time you're not giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Who, but I, you can't give the ball to Taylor. You can't twenty five, thirty times. Time. You just and can't get, do it. You need to spell him with somebody. But who would you rather have in the open field with the ball, Taylor or Hines? I understand, but but there, yeah, I know, but that that's that's we shouldn't dismiss Hines' value in the open field as well, just because Taylor is that good. He is Hines. Hines is a very good player, but I'm just when we're talking about positional drop-offs and, okay, if Hines isn't there, what value does he not have anymore? I think he, he, if he ends up catching 70, 80 balls and they use him correctly, um, split him out wide, get him on the field at the same time as Jonathan Taylor, I could see him reaching that value. But I also saw last year where he did, it, it, based on what he's capable of doing, Naheem Hines did very little last year, and it, it, the offense still was a top-ten scoring offense in the NFL. Not that I'm going to change my opinion, of course, but I think you could say that maybe, maybe I take some of these guys for granted, like a Braden Smith, you know, because I think you make very good points that there are some guys that are from very good defensive ends that line up on that side all the time and rush. Um, and taking Quentin Nelson, what he delivers, not just from a, from a guard perspective, but from an attitude perspective and to be able to establish the run, which is something the entire team wants to do. Uh, maybe I'd take that for granted, but I, I always, I still think that uh, I, I, it doesn't quite get me, get me there enough for for any of them to not say gonna that. To, for, not going to flip any. To have there's, there's success, like two or three or six of those you want to change. No, <laughs> no, two or three or six. No, to to have six, the success you want, uh, I'm very comfortable with my list uh, this year. You you need. I, think, I hope these, you're right. I hope guys. Matt Pryor is the sixth most valuable. Well, so, see, I thought next week we we're going to do maybe the the ten Colts who have to step up. You've already got a head start. Well, I got on that. a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe next week we'll do list. breakout players. No, I thought. That, did we do breakout? Was that what's going to be it? I think that's think next week on our top ten. Calendar. Yeah, breakout Colts. Yeah, it is next week on our calendar. What do you know? So there, there should be a couple of these guys. Yeah, or at least one or two on this list. Um, Interesting. That, that would be breakout Colts. But yeah, I, I think if if you want to to get where you want to go, as I keep saying over and over again, you need all these guys to be valuable. For sure. Not not that you don't need Quentin to be valuable. It's amazing, not that it's amazing to, to me valuable. how most people totally dismiss Kicker. They, they do. Both of you did. Well, not, just not, because he's not my top ten for crying out loud. Because, again, as Joe said, they didn't want him to kick last year. They, they mm-hmm. had every opportunity in November and December to bring him back. He was healthy and could have He was healthy. Back. I remember Frank said, yeah, he's ready to kick. But we're going to stick with the guy who had the same issues that Hot Rat had. Not enough distance, so, but but that's and who who's the kicker that you're optimistic on? 
J- Jake Verite. Verite. I didn't know. I'm not an optimistic. Verite. I'm. Uh, Ballard said he's got a. He's got thunder for. He's got, he's got a. A big. A big leg. Big leg. Okay. So okay. maybe he kicks 50 yarders and he can't kick a 35 yarder. I don't know. And then you keep them both on the roster. And but just he's not. But he's not kicked in the NFL yet. So he's you know, been what, behind Justin Tucker. Just behind Justin time. Tucker right. on the Ravens, which is you know. I'm intrigued. Anybody's behind Justin. I'm intrigued. Tucker. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. I think we all are, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, guys. We'll see what. That's happens. why we do these. Yeah, exactly. And, and we had a good discussion here. It's to take the abuse, and ho- hopefully, and so I know, take the abuse. Our <laughs> listeners can 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 chime in and get some reaction, yeah, and sure uh, that's that's what the off season's all about mm-hmm. is speculate and, and give your idea, and and sometimes you get some really off the wall. I would say semi idiotic. Decisions reminds me of a. Uh, remember Dan Orlowski came out with a list a few weeks ago. The top five quarterbacks under twenty five, and Kyler Murray wasn't on it. Yeah. Kind of feels like that a little bit. I kind of feel like that. Yeah, with this a little, list. little hot takey. A little yeah, hot it was take. a little hot takey. I'll, 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 t- <laughs> I'll, I'll take the hot takes, and I will enjoy them very much. But I still think that I gave some pretty good arguments. Uh, to I think you did. I hope you're right. Thank you. I appreciate. I, it. I believe you right. convinced yourself. I did. I, <laughs> well, on that note, we do appreciate you listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us online if you want great takes. Obviously, you can follow me at Dave G underscore Sports, or if you want semi uh, semi sweet takes, you can follow uh, Mike Chapel at M Chapel fifty one. If you want stuff, you can follow at Rota Street Joe as well uh, over there. So uh, so yeah, I, I need uh, to unblock you. Oh yeah, that, that'd be nice. <laughs> and we uh, we together, of course, are the at Colts uh, Colts Blue Zone uh, for for our podcast here. Uh, get us uh, delivered to your podcast listening device every week with subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast through Apple, iTunes, or Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it might be. And uh, like Joe said, next week we're talking breakout Colts. Uh, like they said, I already have a few that are that will be certainly on my list. Um, but uh, you'll have to come back next week to see what uh, what Chapman and Joe have to say. So Pryor's going to be number one on his uh, list. He might just have to be. We'll see know. you Hot 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 next Hot. week on the Colts Blue Zone. One A and one B. Okay.